Round Springfield, second and final living appearance of Bleeding Gums Murphy. I, I kind of see this episode as a spiritual sequel to, to the first Bleeding Gums Murphy appearance. I'm a musician, so, so I'm a little biased, but I really dig this episode. I think it's a very heartwarming story. Yeah, it seems like it, it, it starts zany, but then it really picks up and becomes like a touching story of remembrance and, and losses as a child. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it's cool to see Bleeding Gums Murphy again in an actual, like, real, like, speaking role. And, you know, it, it ties in really well with, with Bart's story, with everything, with, like, this, you know, swallowing the blade in, in the cereal, or, you know, and then he gets the money, and it ties in really well at the end that he ends up buying the record for Lisa. Um, you know, and it is a, it, it, it's a touching episode, but it's also a, a pretty funny episode, too. Yeah, and apparently this is the first time our current character had been killed off on The Simpsons. At least permanently, because Hans Molman suffered yeah. many deaths, Molman as he points out in the episode. He also James Earl Jones, or is that just uh, someone playing, that's someone impersonating him, I guess, but like the, the James Earl Jones. Yeah, uh, that actually, um, yeah, it's Harry yeah, Shearer. I honestly thought it was him, but apparently it was not. Yeah, that's, that's actually uh, Harry Shearer, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, which, you know, it's pretty weird. Jones had been part of the show multiple occasions and occasions right. afterwards. So I'm wondering, maybe it's just a booking thing he wasn't there? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but it is kind of cool that, you know, you get to see James Earl Jones in three different uh, roles, in three different uh, moments of his career, Vader, Musafa, and himself. And also, it's kind of like a little bit of a dig at the uh, Lion King, Kimba the White Lion controversy. And somewhere, Seth MacFarlane was taking notes. The Springfield Connection. Marge joins the police and quickly finds out that they are very corrupt. A great setup to who shot Mr. Burke. Uh, yeah, you know, another very funny and memorable episode. You know, Marge joining the police force and, you know, Marge as a cop for an episode. And it's really funny to see what they do with that. Yeah. And, also, and also, it's kind of like it's a nice homage to uh, the TV show Hill Street, uh, Hill Street Blues. Because once Marge goes a cop, the music changes to a very Hill Street Blues-esque type of sound. Hmm. Yeah. If you've ever heard the Hill Street, the, uh, Hill Street Blues theme, it's, very, it's a prominent uh, piano riff. It, it was written by the same guy who wrote the uh, Law & Order theme. So. Yeah, this is a good episode. It's not one of my favorites, but it's a, it's a pretty good episode. It's a, it's a good Marge episode. It's interesting seeing her, you know, whenever she takes on, like, a different role outside the family. You know, especially with her joining the police force. I do like how they do turn it around the end where, you know, even though she's doing the right thing, it's, you know, the, the force is, is too corrupt, at least in Springfield anyway, but uh, where she, you know, she doesn't want to be. It kind of like, it, well, it works for the series because the rap explains like, all right, if she's going to be back to, you know, just yeah. not just regular March, then it kind of like wraps that up easily. But also it's just kind of, it's a little bit like a subversive kind of thing where they're showing you know, the police being crooked. I was going to say also, like, the, you know, not only do you see the corrupt cops, we also get to see, you know, some of the uh, fire points of uh, the police academy from, you know, the, the you know, the psychopath guy. Yeah. Enough, I've had enough to hear of your rules. And you see the nervous, the guy's nervous twitch. <laughs> it's like those small details of the episode that really enhance the humor from the nervous twitching uh, psychopath cop yeah. uh, in, tra- in the uh, training montage. Yeah. Sir, what's your name? Where do I get my gun? Jesus, what's that guy's deal? Anyway. And then it was uh, one last part that was really funny where you'd have Hans Bowman and another one of his uh, unfortunate incidents finds himself in jail and asking, 
Is it okay? Is it? Are you sure our local jail can connect executions? <laughs> and then you, you see him get walked down. The next scene is horror from RGC. Little electrical flicker of the lights. Oh my! Well, so, that got dark. There's been a an ongoing debate for years around this episode amongst Simpsons nerds. I don't know if you guys know about it. Nerds. Mo, when Herman uh, says, or whoever, it, when they're playing poker, but. I think Homer says garage, and Mo goes, garage, ooh, ooh, la, la, la-dee-da, Mr. French, man. And he goes, well, what do you call it? And he goes, car hole. Now, some people debate whether or not, does Mo say car hole, H-O-L-E, or car hold, H-O-L-D? Now, I've always said it's car hole. Wow. So, yeah. so, so this is what Simpsons nerds actually argue about. Well, I, I have nothing. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though. <laughs> Although apparently Hank Azaria has tweeted that it was Car Hole, but then I don't know if someone's just making up that tweet or whatever. I don't know. What did you guys? What do you guys think? I do not care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we can move on from this one. All right. This is uh, no. This is I, there, I know someone who was re- very staunchly saying Car Hole, and some people find, think that's funnier than Car Hole. But I'm like, I've always heard Car Hole. But look it up though. It, it really is an actual thing. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Avoision, avoision. Yeah, I, 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 I. Well, could the case then be made that that the Simpsons predicted Yanny and Laurel? Well, no, because they weren't saying it. Though. It was, it's, these are fans debating this. But could the case be made that the Simpsons predicted this debate? No. Okay, good, good. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah. All right, great. Okay, all right, yeah. Okay, yeah, good episode. Eleven of Troy, an episode that really grew on me upon re- repeated viewings. You know, I, I I really appreciate the the sense of adventure in this episode, the sense of the kids working together yeah. as a team. It, one of the first times that you really see like all the Springfield Elementary boys kind of all together in a group as a yeah. means of setting up the the plot and setting up these Shelbyville counterparts. And it's really funny to watch this whole adventure play out. It's really funny to see them venture outside of Springfield and into this kind of parallel universe, if you will. Joe's. And then we have, and also it's just like you have the fact that, you know, you see the mirror opposites of the kids, the kids in Charlottesville, the kids in Springfield. <laughs> a format that, that tends to have been yeah. popularized by Seinfeld. Right. Mm. Well, I'm I'm just saying out know, curiosity because I remember I think Seinfeld had an episode where you know the core characters met similar. Yes, they did. They had the they had like the that, Bizarro World versions of them. Yeah, yeah that, Elaine uh, started hanging out with them. I'm trying to remember was that episode before or after this one because this one came out 1995, May 1995. So good question. Well, I mean, even had the Star Trek episode with you know bearded Spock and whatnot. So I mean, it's not like. Either time was the first time this concept had been done. Yeah, sure. If you really want to get technical. Oh, actually, well, they, they actually did this apparently an episode later. Actually, no, that is a, a year later, roughly. Yeah, I, I just looked it up. It was October 3rd, 1996, the Bizarro Jerry episode aired. So it was, yeah, it was actually, you're right. It was, it was after this. So they stole it from The Simpsons. Oh, so The Simpsons predicted that Seinfeld episode. Yes, exactly. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Another thing we can add to the list that they predicted. I'm like triggering myself at this point. Lemon of Troy. And that brings us to the big one, a very special episode. Who shot Mr. Burns? A two-parter episode, a months-long cliffhanger. First time the Simpsons ever really did this, you know, the, the season cliffhanger, the season finale cliffhanger, a tradition 
you know, exemplified by who shot Jr. in Dallas. First Simpsons two-parter. Well, if you're ignoring Treehouse, sure. Well, I was talking about how there was also a couple of, you know, there have been a few t- two-part episodes. In fact, ironically enough, we're talking about this now when there is a two-part episode that's currently going to be air- ending the season that's airing right now. When they were setting up the romance between Ned Flanders and Edna Krabappel, they actually had the viewers vote on whether or not they should get together. And they apparently voted in an overwhelming majority that, yeah, sure, Ned and Edna should get together. But then Edna, Edna's actress tragically passed away a few years later. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's like the, it's like the Twin Peaks episode of, or it's, like the, you know, it, it's like a running mystery of uh, who shot somebody or who killed somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know, in the 80s, you had who shot JR, and that is you had who killed Laura Palmer. And this one, you have who who shot you, uh, shot Marty Burns. Who shot Mr. Burns, indeed, indeed. So both episodes were written by Oakley and Weinstein, who would take over as showrunners come season seven. So this was an idea conceived by Matt Groening himself. And then the writing team, you know, wrote out this this epic two-part episode to tell the story. You know, this was kind of the grand finale of David Merkin as showrunner. And I think that this really speaks to something that had occurred by the end of season six. I think this episode really speaks to how great the supporting cast really was at this point. And you see a little bit of that in the season five finale when a lot of the adult supporting characters are taking Homer's class on secrets to a successful marriage. But it's it's absolutely just taken to a new level here and turned into this this mystery, this this really well written mystery that kind of gives everyone a motive and makes everybody a suspect, and everything about this story implies somebody to be the culprit. But then the culprit turns out to be someone else, and then when you go back and and watch these episodes again, all the hints are there telling you who it actually is. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm reading this on Wikipedia, there are a ton of uh, subtle clues and a few red herrings in part one alone that, you know, that, that kind of give you hints and clues about how this whole thing was going to turn out. Absolutely. The whole is, yeah, like one of them is almost every clock is at three or nine o'clock, which ties into the sundial at, at the end. So it's massive foreshadowing. Yeah, and then you have all the uh, WS and the WS things. Like, you know, Grandpa's gun being a Smith and Wesson. You know, Melvin Van Horn is Sadso Mel. Moe Sislak, the Simpson Mutt, a.k.a. Santa's a helper. Smith's full name. And the Principal Skinner's full name is W. Seymour Skinner. And then you have the fact in, in the town hall, you have all these guys who have, who have guns. So it, you know, Smithers, unidentified women who have, who have revolvers. Moe's a shotgun. Skinner has a semi-automatic pistol with a suppressor. And Barney has a Derringer. A snake arrives with a revolver. Wow. So, but I guess, I mean, I saw this episode as a kid, so it's hard to, like, say what I was thinking when I was watching it or, or whatever because it was so long ago. But I don't know if any of you guys, what age you guys saw this, that if you were, you know, what you who you thought the killer may have been when you were watching this first part and even until they reveal it at the end of the second part. I think, mm. in my opinion, I always follow with Smithers because he's yeah. the one guy who could have stopped him. Close enough. The funny thing is that this, this ended up being a landmark episode for Maggie. And yeah. they finally kind of gave Maggie something other than just being the baby. And right. to, to the point where the ending became pretty widespread knowledge and then they would continue this running gag of 
of Maggie being smarter than she seems, more capable than she seems, of Maggie firing rifles or firing yeah. <laughs> well, firearms. Yeah. I was going to say, they actually, from pretty early on, they hinted that she's a genius. And Bartha Genius, she does spell out E equals MC squared, the blocks. And there's a few other things throughout the series that she, she does that, that, that kind of shows that she, she actually could be a genius. I'm trying to think what Lisa on Ice, I mean, this wouldn't be necessarily a genius, but just something incredible that she, she catches a bottle that's like about to hit Homer's head. So yeah, there are little things. That, so, and also like the, uh, in, the street minds that whole like uh, pacifier how she gets all the pacifiers for the baby mm-hmm. for the babies and also she does have the violent past of seeing the itchy and scratchy episodes and then and then she started to attack homer you know it's kind of a joke but they do sort of hint at the end that she may have actually known what she was doing small little hints there that tell you that maggie simpson is not who you think she is and meanwhile, Seth MacFarlane took notes. All right, and that brings us to the end of season six. Yeah, All I right. think like you said, though, just like because because it's the mystery's already kind of gone and everything's out there. Is that we could like review the clues and all the other stuff, but it's been it's like what hasn't you know like yeah what hasn't point, been already been said about it? Yeah, yeah. At this point, it's like what what can you say that hasn't been said? Favorite and least favorite episodes. My favorite episode would be, let's see, definitely the Trio Sahara, Trio Sahara 5. That, you know, I haven't, up to a certain point, I, I'm only familiar with like probably like season 13 or 14 or whatever. So of the seasons that I know yep. of The Simpsons, I'm going to go with, say this is the best Trio Sahara. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. See, that, that was a great Trio Sahara, like all my personal favorites. Yeah. As for best episode, Wow. The problem is there are too many good episodes here. Like they're just yeah. it's almost impossible because you know, like you're picking your, your your favorite child, right? In, in a way. Well pick the tall, smart, and good looking child. Okay. <laughs> I'll pick the unknown Union Mexican equivalent and yeah, Stars Burns is my personal favorite. Suck it, Mac Raining. Suck it. You lost. Good day, sir. Least favorite is definitely gonna be another Simpsons clip show. No, I mean it's kind of unfair to say that, but um it's just uh yeah, no, the definitely. Fact that, that we had clip show three episodes into a season, three episodes in—that's unbelievable, or better yet, impossible. It's so thoroughly half-assed to the point where they make reference to it, you know? Yeah, where they're they've got like season six audio over as as a redub of season one animation. It's just so absurd, you know? Yeah, which I actually like that as a joke, but I mean, the episode as a whole is just, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a clip show, you know, it's, and not, not the greatest like theme either. Like the, with, so comparing it to the first clip show they did was they actually had a story and, you know, pretty strong act one and, and the clips came in really nicely. This one was just, you know, again, it is what it is. Cause I mean, I enjoy seeing revisiting those scenes and it's okay theme, but doesn't really, doesn't really do much. So it's just, is what it is, kind of. But yeah, I mean, that would be so. It would be my that would be my least favorite episode of the season as well. It's hard to pick. Like, and besides that, it would be hard for me to actually pick an, another one because, um, yeah, there's, there's so much, so many good episodes here, and just even so many great episodes as well. Yeah, the clip show was just wasn't that good. Favorite episode? You know what? I'm gonna go with Lisa's wedding. Interesting. Yeah, I I think Lisa's wedding is a is a story that really holds up. I think it's a story that speaks to how well established the characters were at this point that they could do a flash forward episode and make it work. Yeah. 
I think they certainly made one of the most memorable, iconic um, episodes with with Lisa's wedding. Um, and least favorite, I mean, it, it almost feels like a cheat, but I'm going to go with the clip show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and... You know, it's one thing that So It's Come to This from season four was actually, the majority of it was actually new animation and they they bothered to give it a a linking story, whereas um, another Simpsons clip show is just so thoroughly half-assed that, you know, it it was in there literally just to save money and to give the team a break. Yeah. So, fair enough. Yeah, but you can't blame them. It just it just is what it is, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, MVPs for characters and behind the scenes. I think after everything being considered, I think this feels more and more like this was uh, Lisa's season, in a way. Yeah, she played a pivotal part in a lot of the uh, a lot of the goings on, both as a main and side character. So she was the one who set like a lot of things in motion and caused a lot of people to come together, so on and so forth. So I'm saying with confidence, Lisa's the uh, on-screen MVP of the season. Nice. Yeah, uh, I think I, you know I'd have to have to second that as well. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Lisa. It just uh, there's definitely a number of episodes where she's the focus, like around Springfield. Uh, you know, obviously Lisa's wedding. Um, you know, even like there's other episodes where she's not the central focus per se, but she still plays you know a big role. Like um, you know, Sideshow Bob Roberts. There's also Lisa on Ice and Lisa's rival. So, I mean, yeah. It, uh, you know, and I, there's, there's a lot of great episodes, so I'd have to say she's the central focus. Uh, I'm rambling, and she would have corrected me by now. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Like <laughs> well, since you guys went first, I'm going to go for the Dark Horse pick. And I'm going to say Maggie, because I feel like this is, and, and I'm yeah, saying wait, that wait, not, wait, actually, wait, but she doesn't get revealed as the killer until, um, or not killer, sorry, uh, you know, not killer, but, uh, the shooter assailant. until, uh, season seven, just to, just to, just to let you know, even though there is in Maggie makes three. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm but, just letting you know, you can still pick her though. I'm, just well, I'm not even know. saying that Maggie really deserves it, but you know, um, I, I'm just I'm just doing this to 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 pick a dark horse really and uh <laughs> but to be fair, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways this is in a lot of really subtle ways this is the season when Maggie kind of came into her own um to you know to the point where the Simpsons family members, the central characters of the show, and also the supporting cast were so well-developed at this point that the writers were even turning their attention to Maggie and kind of developing her character as well. And so, you know, you've got future Maggie in Lisa's Wedding. You've got the origin of Maggie in, in and Maggie Makes Three. 
And I mean, cliffhanger or not, who shot Mr. Burns, of course. So that's my pick and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, all right. Behind the scenes MVP. Considering the fact that they had to go above the, the uh, Call of Duty for this one, David Merkin is my behind-the-scenes MVP for being the showrunner, but having to endure a 25-episode order, get, you know, Matt, uh, a 25-episode order, the the chaos of Matt, Groening, Matt Groening's, uh you know, incessant whining, and and an earthquake and the 1994 North earthquake. He earned it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with for my MVP for <clears throat> behind the scenes would be John Swartzwell there. Um, you stole mine. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I was going to say. I was going to say. Well, we can we can share. We can. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of Swartzwell to go around. It sure is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he wrote, I think, four episodes in this one, but uh, all solid stuff. Itchy and Scratchy Land, that's one. Um, let's see, what else? Homer the Great, iconic, both iconic episodes. Bart's Comet um, makes a lot of lists for best episode. Even Homie the Clown, hilarious episode. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's pretty prominent in a lot of seasons. I mean, he goes up far back as season one, but, uh, you know, prolific writer, but I've been meaning to put him somewhere. And I like a lot of the episodes he wrote in this season. Yeah. I certainly think that that's an appropriate choice for the season. Uh, let's see. I'm very tempted to just say Schwartzwalder, um, for pretty much the same reasons that Chris just stated. But then there's the dark horse part of me that likes to be different. So, tell you what, I'm gonna say Mike Scully. Ah. I'm gonna say Mike Scully because because this is this was kind of his breakthrough year as a writer. Um, you know, he penned some pretty solid episodes. Lisa's rival. Um. He penned Lisa on ice. No, that was um Oh you're right, never mind, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong one. Yeah. He did. He did pen. As Lisa. well as well as two dozen and one Greyhounds. Um That's wow, yeah. Yeah, and I think Lisa on Ice um particularly has a lot of heart to it, you know. Um uh Lisa on Ice feels very classic Simpsons because it combines like the humor and the cynicism of the Merkin era with, you know, this heartwarming family centered story, you know, a very uh, James L. Brooks kind of sensibility. And it does it without, without making it feel forced. Um, I think, I think Lisa on ice is, is, is an episode with really great pacing. Um, and it's a, in, and, and it's a story that really holds up. So, you know, I want to give a shout out to Mike Scully because <laughs> he he certainly takes a lot of heat from Simpsons fans um, 
for for his time as showrunner, but I want to give some credit where credit is due, and you know, give him some props for his writing uh, that contributed to this season. All right. Yeah. Any, any concluding thoughts on season six? Yes, I'm going to say that um, you know I, I love this season, and we're really in the middle of the golden era, and I think this may be the season with even though like we were saying Lisa on Ice has some nice like heartwarming kind of ending to it. Um, but even there, it's still like mixed up until like the end with uh, a lot of the zaniness. This might be the season with like the least amount of heartwarming like stories. <laughs> and uh, I think it is, I think it is one of the funny, cause it is one of the funnier and like wackier seasons, at least in the golden era. I think I could only count up maybe three or four that had that kind of older heartwarming touch. So it would have been like vice versa if we were talking about seasons like one through three, even four to an extent. Um, although that being said, I, I, I still, I wasn't really sure how I'd feel, but I still think five is like slightly funnier. So I put, I would put five slightly above six before still my favorite season thus far. Interesting. Um, I'm going to say that, well, it's hard, it's hard to really say which ones I I actually love and hate, but this one, this season has a lot going for it. It's good. It, it, it's good. It's it's kind of pushing more towards the, uh, the pure comedy, less, uh, you know, touching yeah. the family side of it. But, you know, I, I appreciate it for it is. Yeah, I mean, I think this season certainly holds up. Um as one of the all-time great seasons, you know, we're, yeah. we're certainly at the mountaintop here. Yeah. Alrighty. And, you know, I would, I would say that we're going to be here for mm, one, two, three more years or so. Um, but we'll uh, have yeah. those discussions in future episodes. Yeah. As you say, yeah. it's, 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 to quote, a, to quote a classic movie, say, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful partnership. Mm-hmm. Three years later, we're, we're both wondering, we've, we've really went through the show so much, now we're rerunning episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, with that, I'll see you in season seven. Yes, season seven. All righty. Take care, guys. And, See ya.